Hi, everybody. This is Jose Palomino with another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. And our guest today is Wendy Barlow. And Wendy is a CPA who has a real nose for something that for any business owner is very important, which is what's deductible? How do you actually manage uh, your reporting in such a way as to always do the right thing, but do the right thing in the best way possible for your business to give you added flexibility, which as we know, means you can make intelligent investments in the growth of your business. So let's welcome Wendy to our show right now as we learn all about tax strategies that work. Welcome, Wendy, to Business Growth on Purpose. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Wendy, we always like to have our guests just uh, provide context for our audience as to what they do and who they do it for. So I'll ask you that same question. What do you do and who do you do it for? Well, I'm a CPA with 25 years experience advising business owners. And right now, my focus is education. I am getting out into the world, teaching business owners how to find more tax deductions and keep more of their hard earned money. Wow. Well, that's a good, that's a worthy, a worthy endeavor. As a business owner myself, I can certainly uh, welcome that, that kind of perspective. So, you know, let's let's start a little bit, because when we talk about CPA, we talk about tax planning and so on. And, and in our pre-conversation, we kind of hit on the fact that all too often owners of businesses, even surprisingly larger businesses, uh, look at the tax planning piece as something that's very after the fact, after all the decisions are made. So when should people be thinking about taxes? I mean, they, they have to uh, they're obligated to deal with it once a year. Uh, for filing purposes, but is there a bigger picture to how they should look at taxes? Absolutely. My best suggestion for everybody, big or small business, is to meet with your accountant every quarter. If you are on quarterly estimates, why would you just send in your quarterly estimate? I need you to meet with your accountant every quarter. What happened this quarter? How much money did we make? What do we have set aside for taxes? What do we think is going to happen next quarter? How can we do better? The laws are always changing in our current environment. The tax laws are changing. The city laws, the state laws, there are so many credits available. So you need to be meeting with your accountant every quarter to look at that quarter and the next quarter and put plans in place to maximize your deduction. I actually guarantee that the money you spend with your accountant to do that will save you money when you file your taxes the following year, guaranteed. Well, so that that must mean that in your in your practice and in your experience, you've probably walked into situations where people were leaving, so to speak, a lot of money on the table. Absolutely, I think one of the biggest things is buying big assets. So uh, someone would come into my office in March and they'd say, "Oh, I bought this Range Rover." And the guy in the car dealership said it was deductible. <laughs> it, it is for some people, but it's not for you. It doesn't work that way in your business. And so here I am kind of squishing their dream and telling them they owe another $30,000 in taxes. Whereas if they'd seen me either before they bought the car or in the same quarter, we could have made some changes or made some adjustments. But once the year end closes, there is nothing I can do other than take the numbers, massage them a little bit, but the big tax plays happen during the year. Right. So like any kind of CapEx, uh, all of that, the, the consideration. I know there's been so many changes, for example, with accelerated depreciation on. Correct. And so and it depends on 
you know, it seems like it depends on whatever the government's trying to motivate people to do, whether it's in manufacturing and so on, right? So those things change and they change frequently. So a question, uh, this is just from pure ignorance. So if I, if I were to buy uh, capital equipment on some sort of accelerated basis and the law changes, am I protected by the fact that I made the decision based on the laws as they existed at the time I made that acquisition? You know, I wish that that was an easy answer because logically it may, you would say yes, right? Logic would say yes. But in, I don't know, it was going a while back, but when Obama was in office, he put tax laws into place on December 17th. It was the worst Christmas of my life. He put tax laws into place on December 17th, retroactive for the year. Retroactive for the year. Wow. So we spent the next 15 days hustling with every client to kind of go back and say, okay, what can we do? Can we move the CapEx asset to your personal and lease it to the business? Can we set up another LLC and stick that asset in there? What are we going to do? And this is the critical piece, right? Because those clients who were not paying attention when I called and they didn't call me back, guess what? They paid more tax. That's how it goes. Yeah. They, were calling and if that's you now, you, they were calling you now. Right. And if and and I tell people too, you know, if that's okay with you, like, there's no requirement to minimize your taxes. In fact, right. if you overpay, I appreciate it because it means I get to pay less. Right. So if you want to overpay your taxes, more power to you. See your accountant once a year. But for those people who really want to kind of get ahead, and here's the other thing, learn. Learn and be the advocate for your own deductions. Because every time you meet with your accountant, I would hope you learn something. And that way you become better at kind of going, mm, yeah, no, I don't think it works this way, rather than surprises or hearing from your neighbor or your golf course buddy about what they are or are not deducting. Well, and, you know, when you think about it, especially for those with pass-through uh, corporate structures like, you know, Sub-S or most LLCs, for example, you know, uh, ta the tax authorities, whether federal or state, are essentially your one-third partner. That's right. Uh, you know, I mean, at the 35% marginal rate, right? So they're one right. third partner. And so how important is a one third partner with obligatory annual dividends, right? right. If you think about it that way, right? You know, so like yeah. you have to, so, so now your strategy thinking would really be orbiting around that thought, like, how do you do that? But, but let's go to the opposite side. Is there a possibility of putting too much weight on tax planning when you're trying to do strategic things with your business, where you, maybe somebody says, well, you know, that's going to create this liability. So therefore I'm not going to do it, even though it may make other business sense. I mean, where do you find that balance? I am a huge believer in green money first and the tax dollar does not drive the train ever. You grow your business as big as you can. I don't want you to worry about, oh, I'm going to go up a bracket, make more money. If you give the government some great, you still make more. So yes, I am a big proponent of green money first, business strategy first. And this is why it's really important to find an accountant that is of the same mind as you, right? Because there are a lot of people who are all about minimizing taxes, minimizing taxes, but minimizing taxes is only part of the strategy. You know, if you want to get a loan or buy a building, having a tax return that shows no income on it is not going to help you. Yes, you've minimized your taxes, but right. nobody in the world wants to lend you a dollar. Right. So for me, it's really critical. Those quarterly meetings with clients are not just about taxes. They can't be. They're about what's going on in your business. What are your plans? Is now a good time to minimize taxes? Or do we decide to pay a little more this year because you want to buy a building? And that's a great point that it's not always about minimizing taxes. And when people call me and say, I want to buy a Tesla uh, to get a credit, do you need a Tesla? The question is not, 
can you get the credit? The question right. is, do you need the car? Because that kind of changes the discussion from always minimizing taxes, excuse me, to being about what's the best use of a dollar. And then we'll do the best we can with your tax situation. Right. Well, it's like it's like going shopping to save money because you, you think you're getting all these sales. Well, and somehow you have less money at the end. Right. So it doesn't doesn't always work. That, that's that's what I tell point. people. Right. So if I earn a dollar and I have to give 40 cents to the government, I get to keep 60. That's great. If right. I earn nothing, I still have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing over nothing, right? Is, right? is still nothing. That's when great. people call me and they say, Wendy, I don't want to pay any taxes. I'm like, great, go be homeless, live under a bridge. Right. You don't need to pay me taxes. Right. There are strategies. There are strategies to be to be not be a taxpayer, right? Yeah. Which is not always good. So that's right. Wow. So so all right. So let's let's think about this in, in, in terms of um let's say an owner-led business, um, you know, again, classic sub sub S or an LLC, something like that. Yeah. Um what are some of the things that, uh, and, and I'll address this to those maybe with uh, a few people working together, like yeah. maybe a professional practice consultant, something, something like that. What are some of the bigger or more um, powerful tax strategies they can employ, practically speaking? And I know every case is different, so you're not yeah. giving a blanket statement, but just some thoughts that things that you have found people boy, don't you know you could simply do this and they don't do it and they haven't done it for 10 years and they could have been saving a lot of money. So before I jump into that, and I will, because there are five that are my favorite, but before okay. I jump into that, I just want people to know that you must, must, must have receipts. A bank statement and a credit card is not a receipt, right? A bank statement and a credit card statement, that's not a receipt. So God forbid you get audited. It's unlikely, but if you did, you must have a receipt. And it doesn't have to be a piece of paper. It can be a PDF or a JPEG. So take a photo with your phone, save an email. You must have a receipt, no receipt, no deduction, simple as that. Um, and you can see why, right? You can go to Target and buy any multitude of things, just showing Target on your credit card, that's not a deduction. They wanna know what you bought. So receipts and record keeping. The worst thing in the world you can do as a business owner is put your office manager in charge of QuickBooks because that person, wonderful as he or she might be, does not know a tax deduction if it hit them in the face. You need professional bookkeeping services. The people that I cannot help are those that bring me bad records because then I'm like, okay, one of my favorites is meals, but I don't see your meals. It's all like messed up in your QuickBooks. I can't see what's what. Um, I can't help you. So you need to bring me beautiful records and I will teach you and your professional bookkeeper how to make tax-friendly bookkeeping. Very important. So receipts and professional bookkeeping services every time hands down, will save you money. Um, once we got that taken care of, then if we talk about deductions, my favorite is the um, acronym THOMAS, T for travel, HO for home office, M for meals, A for auto, S for supplies. Those are five categories that very many business owners are kind of nervous about. There's so much gray. There's so much misinformation on Google and Wikipedia and your neighbors in these five areas. So we don't have time to dive deep into all of them. My favorite one is probably the home office where people still come to me and say, my prior accountant said, if I take a home office, I'm going to get audited. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, has, that was true in 1997. 
Absolutely. In 1997, if you took a home office, someone would show up, flash a badge and say, Mr. Palomino, we'd like to see your office, please. <gasps> There's a couch. It's not an office, right? In 2022, there are over 5 million home office filers in this country. There are not enough IRS agents to even visit five of you. No one is coming. Having a home office is an absolutely acceptable deduction if you are entitled to it. And it is no longer about no TV or no couch in the room. What it is about now is it has to be your primary office. Mm -hmm. And there have been a lot of lawsuits, especially with lawyers and doctors, where they've said, okay, I'm at my business all day, and then I come home and I do billing. And so I want to deduct my home office. And the IRS has said, no way. That is not your primary office. Because you choose to do billing at home at night, that is not your primary office. <clears throat> Done. But if you truly work from home, as many of us do, then please deduct your home office and don't worry about your TV or your, my, my dog is right here and my Peloton yeah. is right there. <laughs> this is my home office. This is the world we live in. So please take it, but understand it must be your primary office. And that's right. where working with an advisor is important to decide what does primary office mean for you? So like a second beach home that you do occasional billing doesn't count. Uh, but let me ask uh, kind a of- nice try. Nice, nice try. So what about in a case of a very typical, uh, let's say a home office, where you still have a mortgage on the house, and therefore you're taking deductions for home interest, uh, home right. mortgage interest? Is that double dipping to then deduct the use of the house? Ah, Good question. Actually, it gets split. So if your mortgage is $1,000, your interest is $1,000, the percentage that you use for home office gets split off. So you don't double dip. It's the whole mortgage, but it just gets put onto two separate forms on your tax return. This okay. is the part that's my regular deduction. This goes to home office. What it does is it opens up the deduction for utilities because the reality is I'm running my AC all day. If right. I had an office to go to, I wouldn't spend this much on AC. Right. So I'm running my heat. I'm running my utilities. Um, I've got supplies. Like I have coffee. I have tissues. I have toilet paper. I have cleaning supplies. So you have supplies. You have utilities. You have your internet line. There are a lot of expenses that you have legitimately for being a home office. And then the kicker is we always like to kick in, you know, some supplies. Right. Percentage of your Costco bill. Right. So the home office deduction can be extremely valuable. Um, you just have to be careful about making sure it's your primary office. And how people often get caught is on their business tax return, no matter what kind of entity you are, even if you're unincorporated, they have a rent expense line because rent is broken out separately on the tax return. So it's a very easy trigger for the IRS's computer to run through there and go rent, check, home office, check. Huh. How's that? So for a lot of people, that's legit. You know, they have, they rent studio space, but there's no desk or computer there. So they have to work from home. Or a lot of my therapists, um, they see patients in a location, but there's nowhere for them to work. So they work from home. But for the average, you know, professional consultant, doctor, lawyer, mm -hmm. eh, not, not a good thing. Right. Interesting. Right. So all these little subtleties, which is why, again, people need CPAs to. But, but let's let's talk about that, too, because um, certainly it's been my experience in having had my own businesses, various incarnations over the last probably 35 years. Um, and this incarnation for the last like uh, 17 years. That not all CPAs are created equal in terms of understanding business or even being able right. to talk a real business conversation with. So, so if somebody was out there looking for 
a CPA, they, they're listening to you and they say, wow, this sounds like I need something like this. And, and let's say uh, just they, they want to look in their communities or whatever. Yeah. What are some good questions they should ask a CPA to see whether or not they're the right kind to help them really run a business? I think that's a great question. And I talk about that so often with people. It's just like a doctor or a dentist, right? You want to interview them. You want to, if you don't go into the office, you want to do this because it is so important to feel comfortable with whoever you choose. This is a very personal relationship that is hopefully going to last 20 plus years. Mm. So you need to feel comfortable with that person and not judge. I think one of the most important things is the person listens to you. They don't tell you how fantastic they are. I'm so great. I'm going to find you thousands of dollars. Mm. I'm the best accountant in the world. Really? Come on. It needs to be someone who actually listens to you. And then by the questions they ask, are they really interested? Jose, tell me what's going on with your business. Not just what kind of tax returns you file. What do you, you don't know that? Oh, okay. It needs to be, tell me about your business. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your life. Because these things are all part of tax strategy. Mm-hmm. So you need to get that feeling in your gut that this is someone who gets me. And this is someone who's interested in more than just filing a piece of paper once a year. And, and trust your instincts on that. I think we all kind of have this picture of what a CPA is supposed to do or what a dentist is supposed to do, but they can do so much more. So just open yourself up to that and, and listen. Okay. And, and, you know, one thing you, you alluded to in terms of like profitability uh, being necessary, if you're going to, let's say, you know, take out a new lease. Uh, certainly I'm thinking in terms of somebody wanting to exit their business. So they've been taking no profits for a long time, or they've been finding ways to minimize that. And yes, you can try to recast it to a potential buyer, but at some point, you know, that, that only goes but so far. So right. uh, I guess my question is, in terms of um, banking relationships, those other financial relationships, where does the CPA fit in that? Can they help you it, it, as a practical matter, uh, other than producing a P&L? Right. And, and they should. So this is where it comes down to uh, billing, honestly. So my pet peeve is anyone who charges by the hour, because I cannot be effective if I charge by the hour, because I need to get on the bank, on the phone with your banker. I need to be included in the negotiations with the buyer or seller. I need to be able to have conversations with your lawyer in order to truly advise you. And if I'm charging by the hour, that doesn't benefit anybody. And so I really believe that in today's age where all these pieces really work together, you need to be working with an accountant that can work on a flat fee model that charges you um, some sort of agreed upon rate, because then they really can be in touch with everybody. I have in the last year with the M&A market being so strong, we had so many clients who sold Uh, and bought businesses. And we were involved in all of those transactions. In fact, right before we hopped on this call, I was on the phone with someone, exactly what you're saying. Their profit is terrible. They have no profit and yet they want to sell. And so now they're trying to kind of massage the story of their business to this buyer. And I'm like, this buyer, I mean, there's all kinds of buyers, right? Right. And uh, so some buyers are buying the team. Some buyers are buying the website. We're not interested in profitability. And this is where we kind of have to put our heads together and say, all right, what's the best way to get you some money out? 
Wow. So as we look out here, Wendy, into uh, hopefully a new, better, more normal year, right? Going, <laughs> you know, we, we hope, right? We so, hope. We can only hope. So, right. But at the same time, we hear, you know, 87,000 new IRS agents, right? And uh, but don't worry, they're not knocking on your door. So that kind of thing, right? So, um, you know, what is there any like word to the wise? Have you had to kind of close off this, this, this conversation here with something business owners should really take seriously? Um, as they look out into the future, what, what would that be? I would say be who you were and stay in your own lane. Keep your receipts. Keep good records. If you're aggressive, keep on being aggressive. If you're conservative, keep being conservative. I don't think anything's going to change because my clients who are aggressive and they're going to get an audit notice, okay, we're good. We got our paperwork. We got our receipts. We got our bookkeeping. It's there is no, there's no tax jail for us. You know what I mean? Right. There's no tax jail. It's a piece of paper that's going to come in the mail. And the practicality of it, if they even hire a hundred people, a thousand people, it's going to be years before those people are up to speed sending out audit letters. I mean, right now, the IRS is over 8 million returns behind. I mean, they're still processing 2020 returns. They haven't even started 2021, the paper ones. They were... Um, those eight foot trailers, you know, they use moving companies use right. <laughs> in Utah. They have a parking lot just full of tax returns. They haven't even opened yet. So it, it's a long way before they're coming looking. And even then, I truly don't believe in living in fear. Grow your business, make as much money as you can and keep good records. Then you sleep well at night. If they do happen to come looking, no problem. Here you go. Oh, whoops, I missed a receipt. All right. Well, I had 80% of my receipts. They're very likely to just check the box and say, thank you, sir. Now, if you're someone who doesn't have receipts, <laughs> doesn't have good record keeping, then now's the time to start. Now's the time to start. That's a that's a good word of advice. Wendy Barland, thank you so much for stopping by Business Growth on Purpose. We really appreciate it. You're most welcome. Thank you, Jose. Oh, and by the way, if somebody wanted to know more about you and your work, where should they go? WendyBarland.com. Lots of free resources. Uh, you can find me at WendyBarland.com. Fantastic. And I'll be in our show notes as well. Thanks again, Wendy. Thank you, Jose. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.